I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The Deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Whether you're a longtime patient or you're just getting acquainted with this incredible plant, Cureleaf of Pennsylvania is honored to guide you along your medical marijuana journey. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and Johnny McGonigal. Okay, Penn State fans, home stretch time for the Penn State Nittany Lions. It's home stretch for the uh, Blue White Breakdown, Penn Live's Penn State football podcast. Johnny McGonigal and Bob Flounders here to talk about James Franklin's Tuesday news conference. It's Maryland week. Penn State's a prohibitive favorite after spanking Indiana, Johnny. But Penn State fans can, can go back two years, the COVID year, when uh, Maryland was like a 25-point underdog. And just completely obliterated Penn State uh, in a game at Beaver Stadium. No fans, though. But, you know, Maryland is one of those teams, Johnny, that when they're playing well, they have the talent at key spots to really cause problems, I think. For most teams, they actually get put up a pretty nice fight against Michigan earlier in the year in Ann Arbor. Only lost, I think, by seven points. They got receivers. They got a really underrated running back. They got Talia Tagovailoa. Tua's. Uh, younger brother, uh, I think he's now in his third year, completing 70% of his passes. It's a 3.30 kick, Johnny, Saturday at Beaver Stadium. James Franklin had a lot to say today, and I thought it was refreshing because I think we could, we could focus a lot, uh, not so much on the quarterbacks. We can focus on Penn State's offensive line. There was really uh, some really interesting information coming out of James's news conference uh, you've already written about it a couple of times on Penn Live, so why don't you why don't you lead with your biggest takeaway, and we'll go from there. Yeah, Bob, I think the biggest takeaway out of Franklin's press conference, and maybe out of this week, is that Landon Tangwall is out for the rest of the season. Uh, the left guard who had started the first five games of the year for Penn State at that spot split time with Hunter Norzad in that Purdue game, and then took over that spot really uh, for the four weeks following, and picked up a pregame injury during warmups at Michigan, and. Uh, an undisclosed injury. James Franklin normally doesn't get into injuries and details and availability and that kind of stuff unless it's season ending. And he had the news today during his press conference that uh, Landon Tangwall uh, underwent surgery for that injury. Uh, will miss the remainder of the season, these final three regular season games and the bowl game. So that reshuffles the line a bit. You haven't had him in recent weeks. It's been Hunter Norzad starting uh, at left ta- or uh, excuse me, left guard, the Cornell transfer. And, he announced earlier this morning, I mean, early this morning, like he was up. He was up at like 6 a.m. Uh, or 7 a.m. posting this on Twitter that he will be back in 2023. Uh, so that's a good thing for Penn State moving forward. And, you know, it's, it, it'll be a good thing if they have him ready and available this weekend. Uh, he left or, you know, for most of the game after uh, picking up an injury on the first play 
of the Indiana game. A lot of moving parts on this offensive line that we'll surely talk about here, Bob, but uh, Tangwall being out uh, is a big one. Yeah, and uh, just, to, just to circle back to Hunter, I have to say um, I'm really impressed with Hunter Norzad. James Franklin, after the Indiana game, the 45-14 win, he talked about people, fans don't realize it, but uh, Penn State's offensive line really has undergone quite a shift since the beginning of the year. A lot of their players, and you mentioned Landon Tangwall, but a lot of their players are dealing with injuries, some of them significant, some of them, though, painful. You know, it's, it's not that easy to play through them. He said during the game, Hunter Norzad and Salim Wormley both play, gutted it out. They missed some time, but they, uh, they gutted it out. And Penn State really needed that because of the issues they've had with Landon Tangwell, who is now out for the year. Olufashano did not play uh, against Indiana. And it's one of those situations where he's going to be week to week, according to James Franklin. Penn State's got three games left, plus a bowl game. We, you and I were kind of talking about it a little bit. You know, Caden Wallace has really kind of disappeared as Bryce Efter's played a lot, you know, in his absence. And I wasn't quite sure if it was just the coaching staff uh, feeling that maybe Bryce Efter was the better option or maybe there was something wrong with him. And James Franklin said he's been dealing with uh, an injury issue he wouldn't go into. And it sounds like it's been for a little while. So you look at, you know, Caden Wallace, Landon Tengwall, Olufashanu, and even Warmley was a little banged up. Just about their whole offensive line is dealing with something. I'm sure Juice Scruggs is not the picture of health either, but he's been able to play, I think, just about every snap, uh, every meaningful snap. But this is an offensive line that's really kind of had to grit it out uh, the last couple of weeks. It's really weird uh, with Tangwall getting hurt in pregame warmups for the Michigan game, but whatever it was, boy, it had to have been very, very significant for him to undergo surgery. But, Johnny, you know, it's, it's interesting, though, how Penn State's coaching staff now is going to have to manage the offensive line the rest of the way because there's some young players they really like that are first-year players, and I think in a perfect world, Penn State wants to redshirt them. One of them is Drew Shelton, the left tackle. Another one is an interior player. I hope I get his name right, Vega Ione. I don't know if the E is silent or not, but he did some good things against Minnesota. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how Penn State manages the situation, but the offensive line uh, has, I thought, played pretty well for much, much, much of the year. And I think we have to give them credit for really playing through some issues. Yeah, and I think the guy you mentioned in there that deserves a lot of credit for that is Juice Scruggs, especially this past weekend at Indiana. Uh, that was his best game of the season. Uh, and I, that, that's at least from when I went back and rewatched it and saw what he was able to do. And then you go and you check the pro football focus grades, and he was the highest graded center in college football last week. Uh, you know, He really just controlled the line of scrimmage. And uh, you know, a lot of credit to him, too, with how reshuffled that offensive line was. You had – True freshman Drew Shelton at left tackle. When Norzad went out after the first play of the game, you had J.B. Nelson, the Lackawanna transfer, at left guard. You had Sal Wormley, who was dealing with bumps and bruises all week and played through it at you know to his right, and then Bryce Efner at right tackle. So a lot of credit goes to Drew Scruggs, Phil Troutline as well, the offensive line coach, uh, who James Franklin uh, lauded this, uh, this week during his press conference for the job that he's done, as well as Frank Leonard, the offensive analyst, who was very – uh, experienced guy, you know, coach offensive lines in, in the past under Steve Adazio and other coaching staffs as well in college football. So uh, it's been a good job by the offensive line to, to work through these issues. And you mentioned Vega, you know, Shelton, JB Nelson. In an ideal world, they would like to redshirt these guys. But Franklin said uh, on Tuesday that they're not gonna they're not gonna let you know preserving redshirts uh, trump 
you know, putting out, you know, fielding the best offensive line possible. And so a lot of that has to do with Fashanu's availability. Uh, he's a guy that is getting a lot of first round NFL draft buzz. And so they're going to be particularly cautious uh, with him. They don't want to mess that up. He doesn't want to mess that up. Uh, him and his family has had a conversation with James Franklin about what they want to do moving forward. And so we'll see uh, when and if we see him back on the field for Penn State. Uh, and then Caden Wallace as well. Uh, James Franklin said he's hopeful to get him back this week. And if the, if he is, you know, maybe you slot him on the right side, move Efner to the left side at tackle, and then you're able to, you know, keep Shelton uh, from playing. But, you know, they might they might be forced, you know, their hand might be forced here in terms of the younger guys and, and burning that red shirt. And uh, so we'll just have to keep an eye on, on what the – you know, what they'll do moving forward. But to this point, it's been a, it's been a pretty good job. I mean, you know, the Michigan game, they got overrun in all facets, but uh, even from a pass protection standpoint, I was impressed with what they did against Minnesota and Ohio state. Uh, and, you know, not on the right side with, uh, with what J that what JT uh, Tuimolo was doing uh, for the Buckeyes, but on the left side, Fashana was really good. And, uh, and at Indiana, it was a overall good performance. Yeah. And nor is that another reason why I wanted to mention him is there's been numerous games this year where you could tell he's been he's been kind of knocked down, but he got back up. He might have missed a couple of series, but he always tried to go. He always reentered the game. James Franklin talks about the fact he can play center if need be. He can play both guard spots. And he's a guy that you could tell, you know, watching from the press box, he's been in pain. You watch him on the sideline, he comes out. It looks like he's not going to get up. They're checking his knee, right? It looks like maybe it's going to be something serious. He kind of hobbles off, but the next thing you know it, you know, in a couple of series, he's back in there, whether it's to give them some uh, other options to give another guy, you know, a rest. But he's he, he strikes me as a very, very hard-nosed kid who uh, does not want to let his teammates down. He, he always gets up, uh, even when he's, when he's been kind of knocked down or gotten hurt. And I think there's a lot of value in that. James did single him out. And to your point about Scruggs, um, you mentioned it on your rewatch. It looks to me, Johnny, in that game, Indiana's defense left him uncovered a lot. And I, what I really noticed about Juice was he got to the second level quickly. And when he did, he was he was really he was really delivering some blows uh, in the run game. Just a really good athlete. You know, people forget that, you know, he didn't really play much center last year. He was really a, a right guard. So it took him a little while, I think, to settle in at a very challenging position. Right. Center is not only about you know, the physical play and dealing with defensive tackles that might actually outweigh you, but, you know, getting the protections correct and making sure everyone's kind of, he's kind of the quarterback of the offensive line. So I think that's a, that's really not an easy job to just kind of, you know, right away, you know, get a grasp of. But I think as the year's gone on, he's really looks a lot more comfortable and uh, it's been fun watching him play. It was really fun watching him do damage to that, to that Indiana defense. But yeah, it's been, Penn State's offensive line now has a chance to really gather some momentum, I think, these last couple of weeks. I don't think they're going to play any defenses that are by any means intimidating. You got Maryland. They got some good players, obviously. They go to Rutgers. They close it out against Michigan State. So Penn State is poised, I think, to go on a nice little four-game winning streak if they execute and don't turn the ball over, get to 10-2, and and then who knows where Penn State could uh, end up in the postseason. For sure. And, and just another thing on Scruggs, too. Uh, we were talking to Sean Clifford after the game in Bloomington, and uh, I asked him about Juice, and he just he, he kept saying how much of a leader he is, how much Sean and everyone in the room looks up to Juice Scruggs uh, from a leadership standpoint, from you know just setting the tone on that offensive line. And what's really nice, too, is, yeah, you have this, this nice runway, these final three regular season games against defenses that they should be able to control 
the line of scrimmage, control the trenches, and then who knows what happens in a bowl game who they face. Going into 2023, Scruggs has eligibility. You know, Sal Wormley has eligibility. Efner, I mean, really this entire offensive line, you might lose Olufashanu to the draft, but uh, maybe Landon Tengwall, uh, who has experience in the past playing tackle, can bump out to the left side. And you like what you've seen from Norzad and his announcement, of course, that he's coming back next season, that he could start at left guard. And so you have a a veteran, senior-laden offensive line potentially next year, as long as these guys stay healthy. And even if they don't, you have a lot of young guys who have been able to play so far this year, and you're building that depth. That's huge for Drew Aller, who would be a first-year starting quarterback. That's big for Nick Singleton and Katron Allen and their development as running backs and this running game as a whole, taking that momentum from this season into next season. You know, James Franklin, I'm sure, wants to focus on these next three games in the bowl game, and that's what we're here to talk about. But at the same time, too, these are good steps and and good things to see uh, when it comes from an offensive line standpoint that has been an issue under James Franklin in his nine-year tenure uh, in the previous eight seasons. It's just been a constant issue, a constant question mark. They came into this season with it being a question mark. And for the most part, again, like the Ohio State game, there were some issues there. In Michigan, there was a lot of issues there. But on the whole, I think that they've, they've done a pretty good job and they should feel pretty good about where they're heading in the future. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Welcome to Cureleaf, a medical marijuana dispensary. Everyone's journey is different, and we are honored to guide you to the best relationship with this incredible plant. Have questions? Google Cureleaf PA or stop by one of our 18 locations across the Commonwealth. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. It's the Blue White Breakdown, Bob Flounders, Johnny McGonigal. Hey, Penn State fans, I know a lot of the viewers and listeners out there are probably parents of athletes, high school promising athletes. And it's a challenging world out there as you guys kind of get ready, not only at the high school level, but at the college level, dealing with NIL. It's, it's really something that's really kind of taken hold, name, image, and likeness. And I'm here to tell you guys that Penn Live is hosting a virtual NIL name, image, and likeness seminar. It's going to be 6:30 p.m. November 17th. It's going to stream live on Penn Life's Facebook and YouTube channels, sponsored by Team Pennsylvania. That's an AAU basketball organization. And a lot of the topic topics that are going to be covered by Penn Live, um, just trying to educate student athletes and their guardians on what NIL is, how they can benefit from it, and everything else they need to know about the new world of endorsements. Once again, it's a virtual event, 6.30 p.m. Thursday, November 17th, sponsored by Team Pennsylvania. 
and it's going to be broadcast on Penlax Facebook and YouTube pages. You need to check it out. It's highly educational. Uh, I know Penlax excited to do it. So something for you guys to kind of look forward to. Don't forget about that. Johnny, let's roll on. There was more to Penn State and James Franklin than just the offensive line. But he talked uh, a little bit about Maryland and kind of the challenge they present. Uh, he was also asked, and I think it's, I thought it was a good question. I think it was Ben Jones asked it. Uh, everyone wants to just focus on Sean Clifford and Drew Aller, right? The future and the, and, and the present. But there's, there's a couple uh, other really talented quarterbacks, young quarterbacks in that room. Christian Bayor, who did some nice things last year, uh, led the team to victory against Rutgers uh, in a game where Sean Clifford was not feeling well. You know, the coaching staff feels really good about another true freshman, Bo Prabula. James was asked about, you know, how Vayor is kind of handling things because, you know, he was a guy that was really ahead of those two maybe going into the offseason. But I think Drew Aller's talent has really gotten the attention of not only the fan base, but but the coaches. They also like Prabula. And James talked a little bit about why he thinks the quarterback room has done a really nice job of embracing and handling the way that things have played out. And James was quick to, to note that, you know, just because the quarterback room is kind of set this way right now, he's been in a lot of situations in his coaching career where maybe whether it's injury opportunity, a hot, you know, a hot off season, you know, the pecking order, you know, it can change. And James really likes Johnny the way that the, the, he feels the, the quarterbacks have handled everything well. And, you know, Bob, this is something that has been said throughout the year, too. It was a really good answer and a, a good question about Vayor, who came into this season. I, I think most people covering the team thought that based on what last year provided from a you know, film standpoint and Vayor playing in that Rutgers game and then throughout spring and, and the summer, we thought that Vayor would be the backup and then maybe Aller would be the three. But second was a little bit of surprise that you know, a couple of days, a few days before that Purdue game that we found out that Aller is the backup and we've seen him continue to progress and show flashes of that, you know, of why he's a five-star guy and, uh, you know, delved into that a little bit more in my rewatch this week and just the, the kind of checks that he's been making at the line of scrimmage and his arm strength on that first touchdown. So you like what you've seen from Aller, but really everyone in this program is impressed with what they've seen from this quarterback room as a whole. A part of that is Vayor and uh, the way that he's handled himself from a teammate standpoint. Uh, James Franklin said he's been phenomenal. And obviously there are tough conversations and tough decisions uh, that have to be made. Um, but, you know, he said that Sean Clifford has kind of set the tone for that room and everyone is fed off of each other. And it hasn't been, you know, a situation of resentment or, you know, just sometimes you can get bad vibes in a room if, if you know, you get beat out for a job or, you know, if you're thinking about transferring or leaving or whatever. And it doesn't seem like those problems, that that attitude has plagued uh, the quarterback room. Now we'll see what happens in the offseason. James Franklin said, you mentioned those tough conversations and tough decisions. I mean, if you're a Christian Veyer, you might see the writing on the wall and say, hey, Drew Aller's the future of this program. If I want to go play, uh, you know, power five football, if I want to go start somewhere, maybe have a crack at the NFL or playing professionally, I might have to go elsewhere. Um, but at the same time, you know, injuries happen, and and so we'll have to see. But uh, I think it's I think they're in a good spot right now. I was, you know, I'm, I think every everyone was kind of wondering or worrying or whatever that once Aller was named the backup, that Veyer might enter the portal right away, and that that just hasn't happened. And so you see it whenever whenever you know Clifford makes a big play or Aller makes a big play, uh, that all the quarterbacks rally around each other on the sidelines. They're celebrating for each other. They're um, they're kind of in this together, and so that's good to see. 
Johnny, so Drew Aller, true freshman, everyone knows about him, right? Patron Allen, Nick Singleton, two freshman running backs have just been as ballyhooed as they were. Uh, I think they've even outperformed, especially Catron, uh, the expectations before the season started. They're just tremendous, tremendous talents. Uh, everyone knows about them. We talked about Drew Shelton, who did a really nice job in his first game as starter, uh, you know, at left tackle. Abdul Carter might be one of the best freshmen uh, at any position uh, in the country at linebacker. He could he could play a, a really a big role, I think, you know, for Penn State down the stretch, given that Curtis Jacobs got hurt, I think, in the Indiana game in the first quarter. We don't know if he's going to be available against Maryland. So, you know, the development of Abdul Carter has really been, I think, a major storyline. It could really pay dividends, you know, in the next couple of games and in the bowl game. You know, deny Dennis Sutton had that tip interception against Indiana. Um, he is a true freshman that James Franklin keeps saying it doesn't even look like a true freshman. He said he's like 263 pounds already. You know, Ch uh, Chop Robinson said he just keeps getting better and better week by week. But let's give a little let's get a little give a little love, Johnny, to another true freshman who it's really hard to stand out at his position just because of the physicality and the size that's required. Zane Durant um, against Indiana. This is a guy that James Franklin has talked about way back in the winter and in the spring about a guy that he, they identified him right away as a guy that was going to help him in the fall. You hear that? You hear that in the spring? You're like, well, we'll, we'll see. We'll see. But he has been a rotation guy. He has shown flashes of his ability at times. He had a couple of really nice moments, I thought, against Indiana. Zane Durant, what have you seen from him this year? James singled him out again, I think, after the game as, as a guy that, hey, they are they remain very excited about, you know, P.J. Mustafer is winding down his career. They're going to need some players to step up, you know, at defensive tackle beginning in 2023. I think Zane Durant really, to be able to do this as a true freshman, I think he's, he's got a really big future ahead of Penn State. Yeah, if uh, if Penn State fans want to, I'm sure I'm sure it's available. If you go back and just go on YouTube and look up the Penn State Indiana game, they, they normally have those 10 minute highlight snippets. Go back and look and, and and look for the Jair Brown sack and keep an eye on Zane Durant because he put Indiana's offensive lineman on his behind. I mean, he bowled this dude over. And you know what? It was a it was like a wow kind of moment. But if you've been watching him throughout the year, he's shown that power and that athleticism throughout the year. And I really do think that as well as Kaziah Izzard has come on in recent weeks, he made a big play against Ohio State. He played well again against Indiana. I think him not playing in those first few games this season, you know, that opened the door for Zane Durant to play early, and I really think that helped. I mean, when you talk about early experience for true freshmen, and and, and not just early experience against in like the fourth quarter against Ohio or Central Michigan, but you know, taking first half reps um, against Power Five teams like Auburn and uh, and Purdue, I mean, those are invaluable for a true freshman, especially at that position. So I ended up asking James Franklin after the game about you know developing depth in terms of the the true freshman because that was something that the last time he was in the state of Indiana after the Purdue game he said that we are determined to develop depth and um and that's what they've really done across the board with this 2022 freshman class uh, it hasn't just been Durant like all the guys you mentioned uh one thing I want to point out with Katron and Nick Singleton those two guys came on campus uber talented and I've just been continually impressed with how they've developed throughout the year. We saw uh, Nick Singleton's home run hitting ability against Ohio and Auburn, but he's gotten better about putting his head down and getting tough yards. 
uh, in between the tackles. Catron Allen has always kind of been like that, but it, it feels like he's bouncing off tackles even more. Uh, those two guys had 161 rushing yards combined against Indiana. 101 of those were after contact. I mean, that just, you know, sometimes it's just bad tackling on Indiana's part. It's not a great run defense, but it's still a Big Ten team. And to see those guys doing that this late in the season, not hitting a freshman wall, I think is really impressive for all these freshmen to continue to be contributing. And again, that just gives you confidence going into 2023. Yeah, prior to this season, Noah Kane held the, the freshman record for rushing touchdowns in a season eight, I think it had, I believe it had belonged to Barkley before that. I don't know if you guys, any of you Penn State fans remember a kid named Barkley. But anyway, Noah Kane in 2019 had eight, and everyone thought Noah was going to have just a great career at Penn State. He, was, he got injured, though. It didn't work out. Uh, he transferred out. But these guys both, they both have four games left if you count the bowl game. They each have eight rushing touchdowns uh, this season. And to me, the thing that's really starting to, resonate with me is they're both getting better. Nick Singleton is is a strong kid. And now I, I think I think he sees what Catron's doing. And I think I think it's there's a little bit of competition there. And Nick has showcased his strength, not just his speed in recent weeks. But Catron Allen as a pass receiver, that's just uh, that's just like, you know, a cherry on top of the Sunday. I mean when you recruit a kid like him as as a runner, a between the tackles guy who's got quickness, I mean anything else is going to be bonus. But I'll tell you what. He caught a touchdown pass, I think, at the end of the Ohio State game. I know it was mop-up time and it didn't matter, but you saw the good hands. And then again against Indiana, two chunk plays, I think, off of receptions. One where, you know, a broken field run where no one could really, it was like a 45-yard run, no one could really get him down. So that is another dimension, I think, you know, that he adds to this offense. And I'm just wondering if Penn State will maybe try and look to feature him a little bit more in the passing game. Singleton, it just hasn't clicked for him yet as a receiver, but if you can get him the ball in an open space, I mean, the defense is going to be in trouble the minute he catches the ball, if he gets any kind of room at all. So Johnny, I think that's one thing to watch for the last three or four games as Penn state tries to expand its passing game. Theo Johnson's come on of late, but I think if these running backs can become more involved in the passing game and they can get in the open field, you see what they do in the open field as running backs. I think they can be very dangerous, especially against some of these defenses. Yeah, the simplest thing offensively to do is get your best playmakers, your most athletic guys in space with room to operate. And you mentioned Theo Johnson. You know, they've been you know, getting him the ball a little bit more. Uh, we saw Brenton Strange make that ridiculously athletic catch using the defender's body to kind of pin the ball against him. I mean, that's the kind of stuff that these tight ends can do. And I know that some fans were frustrated earlier in the season with how little these guys are being utilized. And I think you're seeing that you saw that more uh, you know, with Indiana and, and in recent weeks, I think you're going to continue to see that, you know, we've seen what Parker Washington, you know, can do, uh, you know, last week against Ohio state and the week prior against Minnesota. I think who had a sneaky good game this week was Mitchell Tinsley. Uh, the guy came up with a couple of big third down catches. Uh, he's Sean Clifford's roommate, you know, their, their bond, their connection is really tight. And, and you can see that on the field. Uh, you know, he made a couple of big catches there, the 27 yarder with, which is kind of a bad throw by Sean. It was kind of behind, but the way that he worked back to it and, and still came down with it, uh, I think was a really nice play. And so you've got those two receivers uh, who Mitchell is out of eligibility. He won't be here next year. Parker Washington might leave for the NFL draft. So you're thinking like, all right, who, who could maybe step up? I think it was a nice, uh, nice moment for Harrison Wallace to get his first career touchdown against Indiana that, 
bullet of a pass by Drew Aller, uh, these tight ends as well. And again, these running backs, if you're able to get them out in open space in the passing game, Catron is such, I mean, both these guys are hard to bring down. Catron is so difficult to bring down. I mean, that, that one rushing touchdown that he had, uh, it looked like it was almost like a Le'Veon Bell situation where he, he got the handoff, evaded a defender, went left, stiff arm, stiff arm, ran through a dude into the end zone for you know an eight or nine yard score. And it's like, what, what are you supposed to do, uh, especially as a defensive back, if he gets into the second level at that point, it's over. So, um, yeah, these guys are uber athletic, uber talented and just get them the ball and, and good things yeah. will happen. Yeah. And you mentioned the future because that, that's always what kind of Penn State fans want to know about. And you know, what would happen, you know, Tinsley's going to have to move on. There's a really good chance Parker after three years, you know, might decide to take a look at the NFL as well. Well, one of the, one of the, uh, one of the developmental or one of the scout team players of the league was, was Caden Saunders, you know, the, 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 the uh, true freshman wide receiver, Johnny, I think, you know, in, in, in another year, we probably would be seeing a lot more of Caden Saunders in the Penn state offense, but they, they really like Mitchell. Obviously they really like Parker you know, you mentioned Wallace. Uh, Keandre Lambert-Smith has, has has showed off his athleticism on his two touchdowns, kind of running after the catch. They like him as well. And you mentioned the tight ends. There's just not, you know, if you're Penn State, it, it just makes sense maybe. Uh, they really like, I think they really like Hayden Saunders. But, you know, is it really worth it to him play in like four or five games, more than four games? The opportunities just maybe aren't there for him. But he's a, he's a receiver that could easily hit the ground running next year and become an impact player. Just one added thing on the wide receivers, uh, two other guys just to mention, Amari Evans, true freshman, uh, you know, burned his red shirt. I think he ranks fifth on the team in terms of wide receiver snaps this year. He's been playing a lot for them. Uh, Liam, Cl- Liam Clifford had a few catches uh, at Indiana, and so he's, he's seemingly built a nice little rapport uh, there with Drew Aller. So those are even two other guys to keep an eye on these, you know, this team has a lot of weapons uh, going forward, whether that's in the next three games and, and the bowl game uh, or looking into next season. But yeah, I'm looking forward to this Maryland game. I think offensively uh, the Terrapins give Penn state, you know, could, could give them the biggest problems in terms of uh, these next three games. That's not saying much. Uh, Rutgers offense is pretty bad. Uh, Michigan state, even though they pulled out that win against Illinois is still kind of all over the place uh, out of sorts uh, after they had a really nice season last year. Uh, they don't have Kenneth Walker uh, running for them this year, Bob. So, um, you know, this is a situation, though, after Penn State's defense had six sacks and 16 tackles for loss. A lot of that damage done along the front four. Um, they weren't blitzing as much late. I mean, they were blitzing Jack Tuttle quite a bit. But um, at, at some point, they just started to let their front four go to work. Guys like Adisa Isaac and, and uh, you know, Chop Robinson off the edge. And so even Nick Tarburton getting in on the action. Like these guys across the board, they were all named the Defensive Player of the Week uh, by James Franklin. So uh, if they're able to, to kind of feast against Maryland and, and get uh, Talia, you know, flustered and, and get him down on the ground, I think Penn State will come out with another win. Talia's had some moments against Penn State. I mentioned the 2020 game where they just kind of blitzed him early. Uh, Rakeem Jarrett had two long touchdown catches, I think, in the first quarter. Uh, you know, Penn State looked a little flat-footed. I think it was the game after the Ohio State loss, which was right after the Indiana loss. And I think Penn State had kind of dominated Maryland for a while, and I think they they kind of got surprised. But that was, you know, that's when I knew that the the other Tago Vilo was going to be a really good player. He's got some good receivers. Uh, they're a capable team. Penn State was able to kind of handle them last year. Jair Brown actually had a really long interception return for a touchdown to seal it uh, in the fourth quarter. I think it was like 31-14. to 14. But, yeah, this is a game – 
I think that Penn State's going to have to play well because you know this is a game that Maryland always points to. Like it doesn't always work for them when they're at home, but there's been times since James Franklin's been at Penn State where Maryland has played them pretty tough. I think in 2014 they beat them 20 to 19. Uh, that was James's first year. They beat him in 2020. So this will be an interesting game. I think I think if you don't discourage Maryland early in this game, I think they're going to hang around. I think for a long time, Mike Loxley has done really well recruiting, building up that talent base. They have a very accurate passer, and if you protect him, I think he will get he will get the ball uh, to some, some receivers in space who can really run. They did play Michigan awfully tough in Ann Arbor, so we'll see. I think this is one of the one of the more interesting games left on Penn State's schedule. Three thirty kickoff, Johnny. I know you're looking forward to it. I also know you're looking forward to seeing your Eagles come come uh, come out and play. Uh, I think they got the Redskins at home. I know the Phillies didn't work out for you. It was a heck of a run for them, but you still got the unbeaten Eagles. You got Penn State going for eight and two. There's a lot for you to look forward to this weekend. Yeah, the the Phillies. Um, like we were, you know, peek behind the curtain here for the listeners and all that. You know, we're wrapping up in in Bloomington and. Joe Hermit, our photographer, is also a huge Phillies fan. And we're driving back to our hotel in Indianapolis where we're flying in and out of and listening to the radio call and, and hearing, you know, the sadness in Tom McCarthy's voice who was filling in for Scott Fransky on, on the call briefly for that inning. Hearing his just despondence over Jordan Alvarez's home run was uh, it was felt across, uh, you know, throughout that car. It was brutal. But, uh, you know, it was a super fun run. And, uh, and yeah, now, now we just focus on the birds. And, you know, these final, again, these final three games, uh, regular season-wise for Penn State, you know, they're able to finish 10-2. and two. We talked you know, a little off-air about, you know, possible bowl destinations. We're, we're looking at the Orange Bowl. You know, if Michigan and Ohio State both make the playoff, which is unlikely, uh, you know, the Rose Bowl is in play technically. But, you know, Orange Bowl, Cotton Bowl, if they lose one of these, maybe the Citrus Bowl. You know, it's still, still some good destinations on, on the board, Bob, and I'm interested to see how this all uh, how this all shakes out. Sounds good, Mike. <laughs> Go Birds. <laughs> this has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live.